Welcome to another episode of the Cook, Eat, Nourish podcast with me, Fiona Staunton. Today, I'm speaking to another Fiona, Fiona Uyama, who has developed a range of Asian cooking essentials designed to make mealtimes simple and healthy. I've been a fan of her pure soy sauce for a number of years now. Today, we talk about all of the different products that she has out, how exactly soy sauce is made, and all about her own personal journey to this stage. Do make sure you listen to the end to find her three top tips to help improve your health. So welcome to today's episode of the Cook, Eat, Nourish podcast. Today, I'm with Fiona Uyama from Fused by Fiona. Would you like to introduce yourself to my audience, Fiona? Thank you so much. So the two Fionas, I hope we don't confuse people. Yeah, so my name is Fiona Yema and I am founder of an Asian food brand called Fused. But um, I also have a profile in Ireland as an Asian cook. And that really comes from my time in Asia and primarily Japan. So I studied international marketing and Japanese in college. And that led me to study and work in Japan. And I suppose that's really the start of the food journey that we're going to go on and talk about and what really was the beginning of a a passion for me for Asian food and cooking. Um, So I I suppose I can thank that time for the profile I have now here in Ireland as an Asian cook and for founding Fused, my food company. Fantastic. So, yeah, would you like to tell us, and also I see you, you've eight different awards, which we'll probably uh, jump into as well. So, and it's fantastic. I've known you for a few years now, and just to see you go from strength to strength, I I love watching uh, your journey. And as you know, I'm a big fan of the product. So uh, would you like to tell me a little bit about your, your time in Asia and what inspired you there? Yeah, so I suppose when I first went over to Asia, I was an exchange student. So I lived with a homestay family, quite the culture shock back then. I I suppose that was over 20 years ago and we didn't have social media. So really, I went to Japan and I had no contact with my family or friends, apart from the odd letter or phone call, which cost a lot. So we never stayed on long. Um, But I, I lived in a Japanese household and ate you know, their three meals. So I really got to absorb Japanese culture and food. And while it was shocking initially, um, over time, I started to really enjoy it. And I could see the changes in my body and energy. Um, I'd always been very healthy and sporty growing up. But I think when I went to college, my my health kind of dipped a bit because the course that I was studying in DCU, International Marketing Japanese, it was quite a demanding course. I did long hours. Uh, even after my lectures, I would have been in the library. So I, I was making bad food decisions along the way. Um, so I suppose I went to Japan in between that. And that really kind of woke me up to realize, wow, food is so important. and um, you know, how it nourishes you. And I always had quite a big appetite, I think, because I sport was always such a big part of my life growing up in the countryside. Um, So I found sometimes with Irish food and potatoes and all that, you could be quite lethargic. Um, The difference I found with Japanese food was um, you kind the portions were a bit more controlled and smaller and you didn't feel tired after it. And it was just the food culture was amazing you know they have sayings like harahachi boo which means eat until you're 80 percent full so it's that mindfulness around food too and it's something i'm always saying to my kids you know wait for your brain to tell your belly that it's actually full so just fill yourself 80 percent um so you know um i just i i just love that time as an exchange student I, i then moved on to a different town um to work as an intern Again, that was so insightful. I, I did my thesis on Japanese business culture. I was really interested in that, you know, Japanese kind of, um, they have a completely different hierarchy when it comes to business and bowing and all of this. They tend to work in the same companies for a long time. So I found that really intriguing. So at this time, you know, I didn't know my my journey would end up in food. I really was targeting myself to a corporate world, you know. Um, but when I came back, um, I finished my degree and went straight back out to Japan 
there's a great program called the JET program, which allows you, you know, to move to Japan quite easily in that they set up your accommodation um, and you arrive over there with your job. The interviewing process happens in Ireland through the Japanese embassy. So I thought that was a fantastic opportunity um, right. to travel, you know, halfway around the world in a very safe environment, I suppose. So I ended up um, teaching in Japan, in rural Japan, really rural Japan, which I, it was actually a decision I put down on the application form because I was very conscious that I wanted to embrace if I was going to make that journey, I wanted to embrace real Japan and also um, improve my language skills. Um, so that's why I did that for two years. And I remember, you know, thinking, well, I do the third year teaching. And it was really a case of if I stay another year, I don't think I'll go back to Ireland because you start to grow roots, you know, and yeah. form friendships and get very comfortable with your life there. Um, so I decided to come back. Uh, and um, I ended up working in the corporate world for some time in Ireland. Okay, great. Uh, yeah, I seem to have just heard so much about food in Japan. I have a friend in Tokyo at the minute. It just seems to be coming up in so many different conversations for me at the moment. Yeah. yeah. Great. So when you came back to Ireland, um, things didn't go as, as smoothly as you had planned. Is that right? Yeah, well, in some respects, that's right. I suppose I came back to Ireland, um, God, it was 2004. Um, so uh, we, I actually ended up getting married then in 2005. Um, and then a few years after that, I got in 2008. So I was married three years. Funnily enough, we were just clearing out some photos and I, and I came across our third year wedding anniversary. And, you know, in it, it was like, OK, if we survive this year, we'll survive any. And I'd forgotten we were three years married when I was diagnosed with ovarian cancer. Um, I, I think I was 28 at the time. Sometimes it feels like such a distant memory. Mm. Um, it was so long ago. I'm 43 now. So it really does feel like a long time ago. Um it was a, quite a shock at the time, you know, 28, recently married. I thought the world, you know, was at my feet and I could have kids whenever I, I wanted to. Um, so that was quite a shock. Um, but look, uh, I suppose um, when I was first diagnosed, the news was worse than it turned out to be in that we didn't think that we could have children. Um, we weren't sure exactly, you know, um, what would happen for ovarian cancer um you know I ended up having one of my ovaries removed not the second um I had quite a rigorous um trio of chemo um which made me very very unwell um I'm so glad I did it though because it did what it was meant to do um I ended up then going for regular appointments for 10 years and after 10 years, which would have been 2018, I got the sign off that I had the same odds as anyone walking the street. So so that was a really nice thing, you know. Um, but it's funny, sometimes when I'm in a bad situation, I, I try to or I naturally look at the silver lining. And I remember that 10 years of appointments, you know, really kept me grounded and grateful for everything I had. Because when you go to them appointments, as you probably know, Fiona, there are sick people all around you of all ages and when you walk back out onto the street it's like you enter a different world you know that everyone else is unaware of um so I had to keep going back into that world yeah. <laughs> um, over 10 years so it just made me so so grateful you know um for my health for my recovery but then it also um made me rethink my life and while I was in a good job that I was enjoying at the time I wasn't really passionate about it. Um, so when I had my son, Scott, three years later in 2011, and I was on maternity leave, and I was very lucky to get a good maternity leave um, with the company I worked with, it gave me a lot of time to think about life and analyze it. And that's when I really started to say, look, you know, I now have a baby. I want to have flexibility with um, that work-life balance. I knew I wanted to work, but that I also wanted to spend time with my baby. Um, so I did return back to work, but uh, that's where my journey started. And I started blogging about Japanese food. And that grew into doing cooking classes in my house. 
And then that grew into um, documenting my recipes, publishing a cookbook, and then moving my cookery classes to a, a, an actual proper um, facility in City West um, and actually the classes booking out every month, surprisingly for me at the time, you know, um, but um, that kind of gave me a chance to dip my toe in my passion uh, and see, you know, and then I I was just hooked, you know, I just knew it couldn't turn back after that and I had to make it work. So for a few years, I worked um, weekends and evenings on food and developing all these different things, but also working full time. And then I decided after my second son, Matthew, was born, um, I need to make the leap. You know, I, I just need to bite my bullet and take that risk. Uh, and that's what I did. And I launched Fused, or the idea of Fused on my maternity leave with Matthew. I remember sitting on the couch and thinking, oh, a flavoured soy sauce. Maybe that might work. <laughs> I think I might have been breastfeeding them at the time. But, you know, so sometimes your best ideas come when you're in a, just a random place or, you know. That's it. Think- That's what they say in the quiet of the mind. And I think, you know, the whole cancer thing and then having kids it does make you just stop and think okay well I've got one life uh, I'm here now and I'm healthy what do I really want to to do with it um and and that's kind of exactly where I am at, at the moment yeah. as well so um and I love your cookery demos it, you know it's all about making things easy and accessible for people and mm. I know that you've come and done a sushi workshop uh, mm-hmm. for some of my clients which has been um great and, and my kids love the the sushi I really enjoyed and, that yeah. yeah yeah it was great um so yes yeah, so fascinating uh journey and then your soy sauce arrived on the market yes did you do the food academy or what route yeah. did you so I started on the Super Value Food Academy and it was good in a way because Matthew was a baby at the time and I was able to go to these training courses and I met a circle of like minded people, you know, and we had mentors and they kind of gave me, you know, targets and deadlines and it was good. It gave me a structure, that program. Um, but I can remember, you know, I contacted um, my local health inspector and got my kitchen vetted. So I did my first production runs when Matthew was asleep, put him to bed and then run downstairs and do my production run at 8 p.m. or whatever time it was until midnight. And when I think back of the energy and organization I had, you know, it was just unbelievable and hoping he wouldn't wake. But the batches were small at the time. um, So that was okay. And and. But it started like that, a very small uh, production runs in my kitchen. Uh, and, you know, so it was small steps. And I, it had to be, I think, especially for my own situation. I had a young family. Um, I couldn't take a lot of financial risks. So doing it for my house kind of gave me that cushioning. Um, but, yeah, no, that was good. And we launched on that. And then we grew into other stores, uh, other supermarkets across Ireland and uh, scaled up our production along the way. So I suppose it, 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 it was doable in hindsight because we did it slowly. Okay. Um, and we launched, our, the first three products were soy sauce. And, uh, you know, the passion behind Fused for me, because I kept getting the same message in all my cooking classes. And I did cookery demos at festivals around Ireland. People used to come up to me and I just kept getting the same you know, questions and conversation with people. They were confused about Asian food. They didn't trust any of the brands. They didn't know which were good. And they didn't even, they couldn't even pronounce the name of the brand. So, you know, I I was kind of thinking then, just getting the same questions all the time going, God, there really is an opportunity here just to give people what they're looking for. And because I built a profile, the trust was there, I felt that that story could help with it. So really that's how Fuse was born. So the first product, the soy sauce, for me had to replicate, you know, um, what the soy sauce I had in Japan. And in Japan, soy sauce is anti-cancerous, good for your gut, healthy, you have it with every meal. So in 2015, when Matthew was a baby, I brought Matthew and Scott back to Japan. And I went to factories around Japan researching soy sauce. And the soy sauce is naturally fermented, 
for at least six months. It only has four ingredients and it has such a delicate taste. It gives that thick taste umami. Um, I have a bottle of the soy sauce here, you know, and the ingredients are 100% soy sauce, water, soy, wheat and salt. So, you know, if anyone is listening to this today and it's something I'm really passionate about is, you know, if you're buying soy sauce, buy, you know, proper soy sauce. It's four ingredients, um, you know, because there are so many soy sauce on the market that have flavoured caramel, uh, sucrose, just a long list of ingredients. and they're made through a chemical process in a day or two, and they don't have all these wonderful health benefits that Asian people um, love soy sauce because of these health benefits. So that was really my passion because I was really surprised by the amount of soy sauces on the shelf in Ireland that people call soy sauce. Uh, to me, that wasn't soy sauce. And I also found the flavor of them really overpowering because they had so many sugars in them. So you'll find some naturally occurring sugars um, in few soy sauces, but no added sugars, you know, through the process. Um, we added ginger, then we launched Glorious Ginger, which won the IQFA, the Irish Quality Food Award, back, I think, in 2017. And we launched the Cheeky Chili. I think when we first launched it, it was too cheeky. <laughs> it was way too spicy, but, you, you know, we've made lots of mistakes along the way. We toned it down. And that actually won a great taste award in 2022, which I'm so proud of because oh, I love our flavored soy sauces. I use them, you know, all the time at home, depending on my mood, if I want the, the subtle ginger or the, the cheeky chili. Um, so I was so kind of, that was a really proud moment for me for that to get the great taste because it was one of our first products. We didn't get it right initially on the, the amount of chili, but we got there in the end. And um, I, I think, you know, if a lot of people, I suppose we've got a bit lazier with our cooking and they don't want to buy chili. They don't want to chop chili. So mm -hmm. people really like the fact that they can have a, a chili soy. Um, but yeah, so I, I, I suppose after launching the three products, then uh, I realized that there was scope for us to, you know, to extend our range of products. Um, we currently have 25 products now. Wow. Um, so between, um, I suppose, the ID in 2015, the soft launch in 16, and really a proper launch in 17, because I founded the company in 17, um, really fused, I suppose, last year was a five-year-old company. So um, within that five years, we've now see ourselves we started out as a Japanese we now see ourselves as an Asian sauce and ingredient company um because not only do we have sauces now but we also have ingredients to help people cook Asian food um the product we launched after the soy sauce was a stir fry sauce and the big difference there and why I launched that product was it just really annoyed me that people thought all Asian products in the supermarket were healthy and that they were going home with their free range chicken or their ribeye steak and pouring this stir fry sauce over it. And if you read the back of the pack, the first or second ingredient on that is sugar. And then a long list of ingredients and people didn't know this. Um, so when we launched few stir fry sauces, we launched them with honey and only natural ingredients. So um, apart from our sweet chili, which actually we're, we're changing now, um, has sugar just by nature of being a sweet chili we didn't really have the the capability at the time to launch a sweet chili without sugar but all our other sauces only use honey um, so you know we wanted to give people uh, a sauce to the standard of their protein if that makes sense so that yeah. if you invest in a free-range chicken or a nice steak that you bought in your butcher that you're then seasoning it with equal premium ingredients yes. or quality um so i suppose we launched um i think our katsu curry first because it was one of my favorite curries when i lived in japan and i knew irish people would love it because it's it's sweet but it has a bit of spice and it's a family curry yeah you know, kids will eat it too uh, it's a really nice transition to kind of spices so and it's um, often served on the side as such isn't it rather than another yes. curry where you might have where everything is in with the liquid 
yeah it's more on the on the side so it can be meet each other's people's different people's tastes yes so uh, I was really passionate about developing that recipe and the teriyaki because they were two of my favorite Japanese sauces but I found anytime I bought them in Ireland I found them just not what I had experienced in Japan so I worked with Enterprise Ireland actually and got some funding for um, my recipe innovation so I ended up working with a college in Sligo and that was just phenomenal to get that support from Enterprise Ireland so you know that support they were called innovation vouchers they helped me you know I created the recipes in my kitchen but then they brought them to a factory Mm -hmm. level because as you increase the volumes the flavors just don't match equally you don't just double everything up um so that was just that was a real kind of turning point for Fuse to get that support um because it now meant that we could scale the business and move my kitchen samples to factory samples and when we launched the katsu and teriyaki stir fry that was a game changer for fused because um the rate of sale i suppose of these products was much higher than our soy sauce so it allowed us now to have some genuine sales going through the business fantastic so can i backtrack you there a little bit because it's something i'm very interested in and i'm guessing a lot of my audience would be how is soy sauce made? Okay, so it, I'm doing a lot of work with, you know, in the whole menopause space, et cetera. And soy is can be really beneficial because it's full of phytoestrogens. And the soy I would tend to have would be the edamame beans. So how does it go from a small little green edamame bean to a soy sauce that you might see on a shelf? Could you explain that? Pro- I know you touched on it briefly about, about the fermentation and the the other brands perhaps doing a more chemical process that it doesn't take too long. But if you could explain it to us, that would be great. Yeah. So when I went to visit the soy sauce factory, you know, they have the these big, massive vats or, you know, I don't know what you call them. Um, and, you know, it looks quite traditional, nearly like a brewery because you could compare it to a brewery because it's fermenting. So really, um, they add that bit of wheat um with the the soybeans um so edamama i suppose that you're thinking of they're premature soybeans that you take out of the pod so we're using mature soybeans um and they're put in a a brine brine liquid and they're left sitting in that but they also have salt and one of the key ingredients is a thing called koji k-o-j-i and koji is like a bacteria that grows on the beans. And that's what helps the fermentation process and all that good bacteria. So they're left sitting in that uh, for a long time. Um, and that's, I suppose, how it differs from, let's say, your chemical, I think it's called chemical hydrolysis um, process which is you know a chemical process that's it's basically acceleration so that it happens a lot faster um and then probably to to um add the flavor the shorter process then has to add in ingredients so uh, during the longer fermentation process because it's sitting there and fermenting the bacteria it will naturally form that color um the brine will naturally turn dark in the chemical process um i'm not sure that happens and that's why they may need to add things like caramel to make it look dark um so what color is a mature soybean it's um i suppose like a brownie beige color okay yeah whereas the one the edamame that you're eating is um green green and the koji then, is that naturally on the skin of the edamame bean or no, is it added? No, no, it's placed on it. Yes. So that's placed in it. And actually, it's a funny enough, um, very similar to sake. Um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with sake rice wine. Yeah. Um, in the process of rice wine, this koji is on the rice and is left sitting on the rice to form. And that's how um, rice wine is made, sake. Because we and actually. So, where does the koji come from? 
to hear rice, actually. That's where it comes from. Okay. Um, it grows off the rice if it's left. Um, on, this is bringing me back to a factory tour I did, actually. If it's left in a, a like, I suppose, with cheese, if it's left in the right environment, it grows off the rice. Um, in a warm room, they're left out in trays, uh, the rice, and then it just starts to naturally grow on it. Okay. So you have your mature beans in there with the brine, which is salt and water solution, and it naturally turns dark. How long is it left to ferment? Roughly? So uh, there's different fermentation processes um, depending. Our soy sauce is left to ferment for six months, but um, some could be left longer. I mean, in Japan, you there is such detail and accuracy. You might have some really traditional companies that have a speciality and might even leave it longer. You know, even if you think uh, in Ireland with whiskey or this, you know, aged and all the rest. But yeah, um, six months is considered good. Um, it's a good process to have six months. And do you know with the brine, what is the percentage of salt in that? Well, like if you look at our soy sauce, have a bottle of it here. Um, so for 100 mils, we have 16 grams of salt. I actually did a bit of research on that because a lot of people used to ask me about that. You know, about the salt content in soy sauce. Um, and I, I found it really interesting because um, my husband's grandparents are from Okinawa, which is a tropical island down the south of Japan that you probably hear about in the news every so often because of the highest number of centenarians. Oh, and, yes. Um, yeah. yeah, they just have a lot of they want, they, they, the longest life expectancy in the world. And so a lot of research has gone into that particular um island um so uh, and japan the mainland as well but in particularly okinawa so i was trying to understand there is a lot of concern in ireland over the salt level in soy sauce or even if you google it coming from america but yet asian people eat it regularly and they're very healthy so i was trying to understand you know what is this i suppose well one of the things is moderation you know so how much soy sauce do Asian people eat with every meal? You know, they're not using half a bottle of it. They're probably using a few teaspoons. Um, so then I, I, and look, I'm not a nutritionist or anything. So <laughs> I don't want people coming after me when I say this, but I did read a lot of articles from reliable sources at the time. And they were saying just the way the salt is in the soy sauce and the way the body absorbs it, it is actually different. It has a different effect on the body and, and the heart as if you were just taking salt directly, um, which I found that really interesting, even in terms of blood pressure uh, and things like that. So it's actually something quite topical when you look at it online, the salt and soy sauce versus directly taking salt. And I suppose then there is the view, you know, our bodies need salt, mm -hmm. uh, a certain amount of it. Obviously, too much of it is always bad. Um, but that, you know, uh, you need a certain amount of salt in your body to be healthy. Okay. And so you're on your bottle, do you have a hundred percent soy sauce and yeah. the regular consumer might go into a supermarket and they will look and they will see 70% soy sauce and they will have other, other things added to it. What um, they generally might see. And a lot of it, I, I don't even understand the wording can be quite complex. So it's of course, if I can't understand it, how can a regular consumer um, understand it? But you will see things like defattened soybeans, soybean extract, just lots of different other ways of describing soybeans. OK, um, so it's not even necessarily that it would say 70 percent soy sauce. It's not that clear cut. OK. And um, where is yours made? So where is it fermented? In Japan. In Japan. OK. Yes. You get large vats of your yes. soy sauce over and yes. then do you do the flavoring here in Ireland yes then? uh well actually we do it in the UK now we did do it in Ireland um and a few years ago we transferred it to the UK simply because we couldn't get a bottle filling facility on the island of Ireland believe it or not oh. um 
because of the long neck of our bottle. And we were concerned that if we didn't use our long neck, that we could lose our association with soy sauce. So in Ireland, we only have um, wide neck bottle filling facilities uh, automated. You, we were filling ours by hand, believe it or not, for many years. Oh, uh, wow. We did everything manually in a, a production kitchen in Leash. Um, yeah, so currently, yes, we uh, fill them in the UK, but we are hopeful that we can return it back to Ireland. Okay, yes. Um, okay, so thank you so much, because I really was quite curious about that. And actually, one more question maybe on that section of it is, when you go to, say, the Asian supermarkets, a lot of the time you'll have dark and light soy sauce. What's the difference? Yeah, so um, that's more Chinese soy sauce that makes that differentiation. Um, yeah, so Japanese soy sauce just tends to be Japanese soy sauce. And it tends to have a slightly lighter flavor. Chinese soy sauce tends to have more uh, distinctive flavor. And um, I suppose the darker, you can taste it yourself. You've probably tried them all, yeah. Fiona. Um, I, I, I'm just assuming they really just add more water and less salt to the um, soy sauce just to thin out the flavor of it. But it's essentially the same. Okay. Excuse me. So um the next thing then is your other products. So yes, sorry, I interrupted you and you were telling us about the you got to the stage of the teriyaki sauce and the katsu um curry. So do you want to tell us about more of the other products? Like I know that I'm a fan of the panko because I just think they're they can turn a piece of fish or a piece of chicken into something so tasty so easy yeah. and i'm quite interested in the fact that in on your website that all of your um there's no msg no nasties vegetarian friendly and 100 natural ingredients so would you like to take us through a few more of your products yeah so i i suppose yeah we finished off on the stir fry sauces we launched um them and really rather than just focusing on japanese sauces um, we thought it'd be nice to give uh, an offering across Asia. Um, so there is some Thai sauces, some Chinese and um, some Japanese. What a lot of people don't know, actually, <laughs> is I worked in Chinese kitchens for a few years and Chinese restaurants. It was my part time job in college. <laughs> yeah, so I actually have quite a good understanding about uh, Chinese uh, sauces. Um, so when we were launching the sauces, um, I, I, I understood what Irish people loved from my part-time job. Yeah. So it just shows you never know what you're learning when you're doing a part-time job and how you can use it in future life. But um, I remember saying to Gilmar, well, Irish people love black bean because when I worked in the takeaway, I took the phone orders. Uh, well, I started in the kitchen, then I started packing bags and then I moved on to the phone. So I kept getting promoted. <laughs> but I remember black bean just being so so popular so we definitely I definitely wanted to launch that and um we also launched the charmaine which actually won a great taste last year as well which is really good and uh Chinese curry um so then um we were looking at different key ingredients during covid we launched the chopped garlic, ginger and chilli. And how that came about was actually right in the middle of COVID. Nobody wanted to go to the supermarket. And I just had this idea, well, people won't have fresh garlic, chilli and ginger, which is the holy trinity of Asian mm -hmm. cooking. So why don't we sell it in a jar? And people will be delighted with that because then it can last for, you know, a few months in their fridge. So um, we launched them during COVID, funnily enough, and they do really well, actually. They're very popular. Um, I know I would have always used fresh garlic and I'm starting to use them a lot. I find even with the kids, they just have a toned down version. So even if okay. I'm making homemade garlic bread or, you know, we sometimes just do garlic pizza, actually. Um, the kids love it because it's not as strong as natural garlic, but yet it, it, it's still really healthy. Um, but the panko we launched because uh, in 2017 or 18, maybe we won 
best curry or best sauce in Ireland at the IQFA and it was our katsu curry. And I noticed that a lot of people that were using our katsu curry were breading chicken. So then um, I was like, okay, well, it makes sense that we give them the, the panko to bread the chicken because they're they're using our sauce. So that's what really inspired me to, to launch the panko. But last year, um, we launched our condiment range. And that was something I, I really wanted to launch was a katsu ketchup because I thought families and kids would love it. And a lot of our customers are families that sit around the table together and everyone can find a flavor they like and the flavors aren't too severe for kids. So we launched the barbecue, the cats, the barbecue sauce, the katsu curry and um, the hot sauce. God, I had to think about because that <laughs> that's my favorite one. And that's charged with miso, which is really, really nice. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we launched that. And as we were launching it, the Ukrainian war, unfortunately, was happening. And it was really at the height of it. And, you, you know, we were quite upset watching the news. And then there was this call out for, um, you know, people to, to give a room in their house, which we didn't really have. So... We just said in the office one day, well, why don't we just give the profits for two of the sauces to Ukraine? And we just felt like we were doing something rather than just sitting and doing nothing. So that's what we did. Um, so for six months, we gave the profits for two of the sauces to Ukraine. Um, so I thought that was a, a nice gesture, you know, alongside the launch. It's something we felt we could do because we already had some products um but yeah that that was received really well um by the retailers you know which was good um, because they wanted to support it too um and they were the the last three products we launched and we're launching more in 2023 are you allowed to tell us anything about them <laughs> yeah of course well we kind of had a really busy end of 22 because we're doing a whole brand redesign because Fused was launched very much in stages and kind of erratically, if I have to say, juggling two small kids. So I, I never felt like we we kind of did it calmly or consistently. So I've always wanted to now just launch the brand as the 25 products. So now you can see the sizes of the bottles, the packs, so what works for them. Um, so we're going to be doing that uh, in the middle of 2023 hopefully we have the design signed off it's just a case of getting them into print and um i said to you earlier on that some of our products had white sugar for example our sweet chili um so we're now changing that to a no white sugar recipe um mm -hmm. yeah so it's really i've always wanted to do that um because i really believe that we can have all of our sauces with no refined sugar so the sweet chili was the only one that had that so we have changed the recipe it's taken a long time but I think it'll be worth it and people will appreciate it Irish people love sweet chili mm. oh I know yeah <laughs> so now when you're dipping in you'll know that it's not white sugar so we we're not using artificial sugars or sweeteners you know it's really healthy and wholesome and it still tastes the same so I'm really excited about that one I'll pop you a sample in the post thank you and you don't have a spice bag mix no well I was thinking about that <laughs> I think being in Ireland now and with the name fused and everything else and the way teenagers are going I think there's definitely a market for that Fiona yeah I probably need to ask you Fiona about my new product development you probably yeah. could give me some really good ideas well, look, I mean, we're recording this at lunchtime and I, I think I'm getting absolutely starved by all everything that you're talking about. Um, I mean, it all just sounds so delicious. Can I ask you just a couple of little questions about the products? So with the panko breadcrumbs, like they just seem to stay so crispy. They're so different to any other type of breadcrumb. Can you tell me a little bit about how how they're made? Yeah, so panko, I suppose the difference between panko and regular breadcrumbs that you would know is they, they are a, a bigger surface area and they're slightly thicker. Um, so they're um, hydrated and dried. 
but the bread that they use is just a, a little bit bigger than your regular breadcrumbs. Um, so it's actually quite a simple process. You just need the right machinery to do it. Um, so it, it's not over complicated, really, to be honest. It's just about making sure that you um, the bread is a certain size um, and it's a certain type of white bread and that it's it's dried, really. Um, one of the things I was considering actually was doing potentially a flavoured panko because in a way, I think it's so simple. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. When I was doing my cookbook, actually, one of the things I wanted to put in it, and I don't think I did, I'm looking for it there. I don't think I put it in the end, but it was like a homemade panko recipe because back when I was writing the cookbook, um, you couldn't really find panko everywhere. Mm. And in Japan, it was everywhere. And I used it all the time in my kitchen. So I, I was going, you can easily make panko at home in your own kitchen um in the oven you know um so i can always send you a recipe fiona but again it's about oven um temperature when you're doing it at yeah. home having the right oven temperature at the right time um but yeah it's quite a simple process and there's no palm oil in it there's no palm oil in ours no no yeah because and there are in some of it so, yeah. yeah so there are some ingredients that we you know, really try not to use and, and I'm always conscious of that. You know, obviously you make mistakes or you're not aware, but I always try to to educate myself and be aware of ingredients like that. So I know a lot of people don't like palm oil to be in their products and I understand why and I agree with that. So um you know when we're speaking to production partners, um these are there are certain ingredients I will always ask for and sometimes that's a really hard conversation because a lot of the time they use them and they're not willing to be flexible. And even it's funny when we were launching our stir fry sauces, um, that product was delayed time and time again, because I suppose I found it really hard to find a partner that had the same belief system that we had mm. in terms of ingredient specs. Um, so we finally got there, thankfully, but that was hard. Okay. Yeah. That's great. I can see my I'm going to be filling up my shopping cart after this. Also, with the ginger, chili and the garlic, three separate ingredients in, in jars. A lot of people who would come to my cookery demos and, and, and follow my recipes would, again, be time poor and not want to do that. So I think it's it's a great solution. What ingredients are let's take the garlic. What ingredients are in your jars of garlic? Vinegar. So it's preserved with vinegar and that's how you can keep it for so long. Um, so and that's probably why the flavor of it is reduced slightly for the children when they eat it. So generally, when you're using our jars of chopped garlic, they're preserved in a vinegar. So I don't want to call it a pickle because it's not, but that's how it's preserved and it lasts so long. Um, but generally, when I'm cooking with it, I try to drain the, okay. the, the vinegar just because you don't get that harsh vinegar flavor then and where is the garlic grown so our garlic comes from south america actually believe it or not um and all of our products well apart from a few um we all we use the same facility in the uk for them okay yeah and the chili, what is, what are the, so basically in the garlic, it's just garlic and vinegar. There's only two ingredients on the jar, is that right? It's the, it's the same for the garlic and chili. Okay. Um, yeah, it's the same for the garlic and chili. They're all in a vinegar and that's what preserves them. Okay. And how long do they last once you've opened them? God, I think it's, I, I mean, look, we have to be careful, obviously, on our labels. So we have to give people time. I, I always, with, not only with Fuse, but with some companies, I always use a practical approach. I think even in Japan and the UK, they're trying to change that, you know, where they give you two dates. One is, you know, the date where they tell you and then okay, the other yeah. kind of check it yourself. So we say 12 weeks, but to be honest, you can go a little bit beyond that. So generally what I do is, to be honest, I probably don't have them in the fridge for 12 months, but sometimes even with other food products, um, just to avoid wastage. Like, I, you know, even miso paste 
it ages and the flavor kind of changes, but it's not dangerous to to have it, to eat okay. it. Same with soy sauce. We have a best before date on our soy sauce, but it doesn't really go off. The flavor just changes slightly. Um, so people often send me questions about that, actually. I, I often get questions, especially if people have bought the soy sauce in bulk online. <laughs> they might have it. And I'm like, look, it's fine, but the flavor might have just changed. So there's certain products like that that are safe to eat. But yeah, all the jars are 12 weeks. OK, super. Well, yeah, I'm definitely going to go into the cart and get some more <sighs> later. Now, you have... Um, before I go on to my my last three questions about the or my question about the three tips, you have kindly um, offered a discount. So to my audience, would you like to talk about that? Oh yeah, so we have an online shop. Um, you know, just I suppose our distribution is in um, John's Super Value, Lidl, and uh, smaller stores around Ireland, but it just might not be in your local store. Um, I think you get it in your local store, do you, Fiona? You live. Yeah, in I'm Dunn's Cornell's Court. And yeah. I have, now the annoying thing is, uh, and I just sorry, but maybe from my point of view as a consumer, is that they're never in with the Asian other Asian ingredients. Then they're on a standalone down by the fish counter. So if I say to someone, "Oh yeah," because in my demos, if my um, Live demos, I will get people to taste other brands and, and they can see the difference there and then. And, it, you know, it's it's perfect. But then when they go to the Asian aisle in the supermarket and they have a look, it's not there. I know. Oh. And it's really, I get that all the time. Unfortunately, we're at the, you know, we we have to um, place views where we can get it in the store and yeah. the space is very competitive. Um, so you won't always get it in the category. Obviously, we try every month or every year. We're, we're trying to get there. Um, the units for the moment um, are work, um, but I, I get them emails all the time. We're not in the category. So um, we're working on it. So we're at least it's a showcase for you where you can put a lot of your products in the yes. one section. Yeah, the space is so competitive. I mean, there are so many brands fighting for space in the category. Now we are in the category in Super Value and Lidl when okay. you go there. Yes. Um, but yeah, I suppose uh, aside from that as well, the range, you won't always get all the range in every supermarket. So there is an online shop that stocks all the products um, and you can just go online. So there is a discount code Fiona10 so that will give you 10% off every single product in the shop. Um, and there's also a subscription list. So if we are doing a special offer, you can avail of that. I uh, believe at the moment our starter kit has 20% off online, actually. So then if you put in your 10%, you'll have 30% off our starter kit, which is basically, that's a really good value. So um, that gives you, I think, 14 of Fuse's best-selling products. Wow. So it's really... We, we did this before and stopped doing it. it. It's for customers to start cooking with fused. Um, but what we tend to find then is our loyal customers keep buying that kit because then they they always have all the key ingredients. Um, yeah, so we're offering that. We're not really going to to put a date on it. It'll be there for a month or two anyway, Fiona, just so Thank people, depending on payday, etc. I know January is the tough month. <laughs> and with podcasts anyway, I find that people will will just come back at random times yes. and listen. So yeah, yeah that'd be no, great. Thank you. That's perfect. And um, you were going to ask me. Yes. So my last question then yeah. for you was, um, I always ask my audience for three tips that they um, might give to improve people's health. The whole thing is yeah. cookie nourish. So what would your three be? Well, I suppose we were talking about Okinawa, longest life expectancy, and a lot of that comes around diet, balance, and lifestyle. So I'm going to hone in on the three of them. So diet and nutrition, just, you know, have a healthy diet or try your best. Um, so the second is balance, you know, um, that you don't go too crazy with your diet, that you're still happy and enjoying your food. That's really so I see so many people going on these diets and the food is bland 
they're eating the same food every day and then they just fall off the wagon. So just to have really tasty, healthy food because it exists. So you don't have to eat bland, plain food you're not enjoying. So I think balance is really important in that and have a takeaway every now and then if you want it. Um, because no doubt that will send you straight back to cooking at home after you've had a really <laughs> So it'll serve yeah. its purpose. Uh, the third one then for me is lifestyle and hobby. So I think that's so important. Obviously, uh, friends, family, having them key connections. Uh, and we can see that when they've done research uh, on people, friendships, um, healthy friendships actually are nearly more important than a healthy diet because of, of that uh, feeling you have when you have positive friendships. But with lifestyle also comes a hobby. So for me, especially working for myself and having young kids, I need something that helps me to zone out. So um, either it be walking and the last few years I've been playing tennis. I really found that a good way to tune out because all I can think about is hitting the ball <laughs> and you find the community there as well. So definitely um, to have something outside of uh, work uh, and your family life, to have some kind of a hobby or outlet for yourself. Fantastic. I love it. Yeah. So diet and nutrition, finding balance and uh, having a hobby. So thank you so much. Now, is there anything else you would like to say before we finish up? Um, well, just thank you for having me. I was absolutely honoured to be invited on your podcast and it was so nice to catch up with you. And yes, please, if anyone has any questions, you know, you can contact us on, there's a contact bar on our website, Fused by Fiona. If you put that in Google, you'll find our website and yeah, we have a contact bar. Our customers are actually great. They send us questions all the time. Um, we're quite interactive on Instagram as well and Facebook. So please give us a follow and contact us if you have any questions. Great. And I'll put all the links below in the show notes, Fiona. So it'll be yeah. nice and easy for people to get in touch. That's so brilliant. thank you very much for today. Thank you so much for having me. You're very welcome. Great. Thanks so much for listening to today's podcast on Cook, Eat, Nourish with me, Fiona Staunton of Fiona's Food for Life. I'd really appreciate if you would subscribe, rate and review the podcast to help spread the word. And if you pop over to my website, fionasfoodforlife.ie, you'll find lots of recipes, videos, inspiration and upcoming courses. Thanks a million. 